From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Michelle Cordero, and this is Heritage Explains. Nuclear deterrence means using the threat of nuclear retaliation to convince your opponent that using nuclear weapons would not be worth the cost. You might be familiar with this strategy because it helped us win the Cold War. Here's my favorite president, Ronald Reagan. This nation's military objective has always been to maintain peace by preventing war. This is neither a democratic nor a republican policy. It's supported by our allies. And most important of all, it's worked for nearly 40 years. What do we mean when we speak of nuclear deterrence? Certainly we don't want such weapons for their own sake. We don't desire excessive forces or what some people have called overkill. Basically, it's a matter of others knowing that starting a conflict would be more costly to them than anything they might hope to gain. And yes, it is sadly ironic that in these modern times, it still takes weapons to prevent war. As much as I love those remarks, that speech was a long time ago. And I just don't think that people have the same feelings about nuclear war. The threat doesn't feel as real as it did back then. Generations ahead of me don't remember or care about the well-known mantra of peace through strength. In fact, at the beginning of 2022, the Biden administration actually said it would be their goal to reduce the role of U.S. nuclear weapons in our strategy. But our guest today says that makes no sense because our adversaries, like Russia and China, are doing the complete opposite. Here's Admiral Charles Richard, commander of U.S. Strategic Command, testifying last year on just how dire the situation is. For the first time in our history, the face, nation is facing two nuclear-capable strategic peer adversaries at the same time, both of whom have to be deterred differently. Chinese and Russian advances are eroding our conventional and strategic deterrence. China, in particular, I submit, cannot be considered anymore a lesser included case in this context. The remarkable expansion of nuclear and strategic capability is evidence of their drive to be a strategic peer by the end of the decade. So what kind of nuclear abilities does the U.S. actually have in comparison to Russia and China? What should a nuclear deterrent strategy look like in today's environment? Today, Patty Jane Geller, a senior policy analyst for nuclear deterrence and missile defense in the Heritage Center for National Defense, explains our conversation after this short break. Do you have an interest in public policy? Do you want to hear lectures from some of the biggest names in American politics? The Heritage Foundation hosts webinars called Heritage Events Live. These events are free and open to the public. To find the latest Heritage events and to register, visit heritage.org events. Patty Jane, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me on. Okay, so let's start at a really 101 level, how many nuclear weapons do we have today? That's a great question and surprisingly kind of a complicated question. 
Um, the United States has a total arsenal of about uh, 3,000 nuclear weapons. But we are limited to the number of nuclear weapons we could actually deploy, meaning you know, put on our missiles, put out on our submarines, actually use in a conflict uh, if we needed to. Uh, the United States is a signatory to the New START arms control treaty with Russia right now, where we're limited to only deploying about uh, 1,550 of these nuclear warheads. Uh, and those are spread across uh, our ground-based missiles, our uh, air-launched missiles, and then our nuclear submarines that are out at sea. Why do we have that amount? Is there a strategy around those forces? When we signed the the New START treaty with Russia, this was uh, around 2010. And the important thing to think about is is the threats we are facing at 2010. Um, you know, we were kind of we had come out of the Cold War 20 years ago. Um, this was before Russia invaded Ukraine for the first time. We were we were getting along with Russia, uh, not not too bad. Um, the Obama administration actually proclaimed Russia to no longer be an adversary at all in 2010. So the goal of the New START treaty was to just reduce the number of nuclear weapons in the world that both the United States and Russia had. So we agreed on this number of about uh, 1,550 total deployed nuclear weapons, uh, and. Our government, uh, and I guess Russia's government, determined that that would be enough to deter the other. Uh, so that, that 1,550 nuclear weapons was, was what we needed to deter Russia from attacking the United States with our nuclear weapons. Uh, that's what we thought at the time, at least. And so the point is to have enough then. So if, if something were to happen with Russia, we have about as many nuclear weapons as they have so that we could compete with them. Yes, exactly. So if if Russia were to strike the United States with nuclear weapons, we would be able to strike them back. Uh, that's the goal of nuclear deterrence. Um, we need to be able to, to communicate with our adversaries and sh- show them based on the capabilities that we have uh, that a nuclear attack on the U.S. would be a bad idea because they would face the same consequences from us. Okay, so then... The whole reason we have you here today, what has changed globally when it comes to nuclear forces? So much has changed. The The threat has just dramatically worsened uh, since 2010, the, the time we were talking about when we signed the New START Treaty. Um, starting with Russia, we, we've seen the, the nuclear saber rattling that Putin has been doing over Ukraine, just dozens of nuclear threats over the last uh, several months. And in addition to making nuclear threats, Russia has been expanding its nuclear arsenal, which is a reversal from what we thought would happen uh, 15, 10, 15 years ago. Russia actually has thousands more nuclear weapons than the U.S. does now, uh, and they're developing totally novel technologies that we haven't used before. But that's not as the biggest problem. The, the bigger problem is China. Um, historically, China has maintained uh, what's called a minimum deterrence posture of just about um, 100 nuclear weapons before I mentioned that we deploy oh, fif- wow. yeah, fif- yeah. about 1,500. Um, but China has been undergoing what's called a strategic breakout of its nuclear force, where it's very rapidly building uh, hundreds and hundreds of more nuclear weapons uh, with actually no stopping point in sight. Um, the DOD projects China to become about roughly on par with the U.S. and Russia in the next handful of years. Um, but that doesn't mean they want to stop there. Um, they could eventually have a superior nuclear force to to the U.S. What's amazing to me is, and I'm smiling when you say this, not because it's funny. It's not funny at all. It's it's scary. <laughs> yeah. But what's what's crazy is that this is the first I'm hearing of this. Yep. I know. Um, I, I I can't. I wish I could explain it. Um, 
the best I can do is I think the the American public has kind of gotten used to it, assuming that nuclear war wasn't an issue anymore. Uh, you know, during the Cold War, we were always talking about it. We had, um, you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis, we were ducking and covering. And then since then, we've just been kind of assuming that nuclear deterrence would hold. Um, and these threats have been creeping up on us, along with a whole bunch of other ge- geopolitical problems. You know, we're, yeah. we're fighting in Ukraine. China's nuclear expansion is just one thing they're doing out of a number of threatening things to the United States. Um, but the this administration in particular has not been talking about the nuclear threats enough, especially to the public. And uh, they certainly haven't been uh, responding to it well. And I think the the public needs, needs to realize what's happening because this is going to take um, a, a national undertaking to address this problem. So looking back, you said that these decisions were made in 2010, driven by the assumption that our adversaries were not going to be building up their arsenals. There were some other decisions that were made because of that that you've mentioned um, that have set us back even farther. Can you talk about some of those other decisions that were made? Um, I think one had to do with submarines and the amount of nuclear weapons submarines could carry and, mm-hmm. and other yeah, for sure. ramifications. So, um, what the United States is doing right now is we're, we're actually modernizing all of our nuclear systems um, because they were all – every nuclear weapon or missile we have was developed during the Cold War. Um, you know, we have 1960s era missiles that we're relying on. Um, so what we have started doing since 2010 is just trying to replace all of those weapons with 21st century technology. Um, so, for example, the example you mentioned, we are developing new um, nuclear submarines to replace the ones that – the old ones from the Cold War that we've had. However, because in 2010 we thought that the threats were going to lessen over time, we've decided to build nuclear submarines that have that can carry fewer nuclear weapons than the ones we have now. So even though we're uh, facing a future threat environments with adversaries that have more nuclear weapons, we're going to be able to fit fewer of them on our nuclear submarines. So that's, that's one decision we made that would actually um, – reduce our capacity, our ability against our adversaries. Uh, and then there's there's another huge one that I'd like to mention. In order to build a nuclear weapon, you have to have these things called plutonium pits. It's just the, the very core of a nuclear weapon. Um, it, it's the nuclear material. Um, after the Cold War, we decided to stop being able to make those plutonium pits, um, which means that the U.S. is now the only nuclear weapon state that does not have the ability to make a new nuclear weapon, um, which, yeah, is... The audience can't see it, but my eyes just got very big. Yeah, even North Korea has that capability to make plutonium and build new nuclear weapons, and we can't do that. And we're we're trying to start that up again now, but it's going to take time. Wow. We're facing this threat because our current force is sized to deter only Russia as the primary threat and that we wouldn't be able to deter China as well. But you've written that this is not just a numbers game, that our adversaries value different things and that the situation that they might resort to using a nuclear weapon differs. Can you explain this a little bit more? Sure. So I've been talking about, yeah, focusing on the numbers of nuclear weapons. We have 1550. Um, Russia has about the same, um, and now China is is developing a lot more nuclear weapons. So part of it is that, yeah, we need more nuclear weapons just to be able to deter that bigger threat. Um, because the United States, if we were to launch a nuclear weapon, we launch them at our adversaries' nuclear weapons because we want to be able to take out their forces um, so they can't do any more damage. And part of that is also a moral thing. We're not going to go striking huge population centers in cities. Uh, so 
part of it is we need more nuclear weapons to cover more adversary nuclear weapons. Um, but it's not just about having more. We need to have the right types of missiles. So most of our nuclear force right now um, is uh, is composed of uh, what we call strategic missiles, those that might be based in our homelands that can hit our adversary's homeland, like an intercontinental range missile that can go from, um, you know, out in Wyoming over to Russia or China. Um, but something that China has a lot of are um, shorter range nuclear weapons that can be based in China but fired in, to a shorter range, like at Taiwan or at Guam or at Japan in the region. Uh, we have no nuclear weapons deployed in the Indo-Pacific with that kind of shorter range. Uh, and that's really worrisome because we don't want China to think that they can get away with using a small nuclear weapon and then, you know, would we really use one of our long-range, big big, mm-hmm. big ICBMs to respond? And we might need some of those smaller, lower-in-range weapons like China has too. So... Coming from the other side of things, might someone say, from Russia or China's point of view, the U.S. has plenty of nuclear capabilities to threaten them individually? Might might someone say that, you know, you and I are overreacting right now? Yeah, uh, someone might certainly say that, but I would say, um, no, we can't. We can't go based off of those arguments because, sure, from China's or Russia's perspective, like you said, it looks like the U.S. might have enough nuclear weapons to deter them. Um, But the problem is that the United States does not have the luxury of deterring just one nuclear adversary at at a time. We have to be able to deter both of them. And that means, um, you know, if Russia were to strike the United States first, we need to be able to um, strike Russia back with our nuclear weapons, but then still be able to deter China because we don't want China to step in and say, oh, the U.S. is involved with Russia. You know, here's my chance to go uh, invade Taiwan and threaten nuclear weapons and not have the U.S. respond. Absolutely. Okay, so in layman's terms, because I know this is very complicated, can you tell us what the current administration needs to start doing to correct the course? Yeah, great question. This administration has not been up to the challenge of in improving our nuclear deterrence against uh, two nuclear peers. Um, at the beginning of 2022, the Biden administration actually stated it would be his goal to reduce the role of U.S. nuclear weapons in our strategy, um, which doesn't make sense to me when our adversaries are doing the complete opposite. In his budget this year and his nuclear policy guidelines, uh, he also decided to cancel the development of a nuclear weapon that we need to increase our deterrence against Russia and China. So the first thing the administration needs to do is, um, you know, reverse those decisions and and take nuclear deterrence more seriously. Um, Beyond that, um, this administration and, and really the country as a whole needs to start start thinking about what more do we need to deter two nuclear peers? You know, do we need 2,000 more nuclear weapons? Do we just need, you know, to deploy a few hundred more? Uh, do we have to develop a different kind of missile? Uh, for, for example, do we need more of those um, lower range, lower yield missiles that we can we can bring out to the Indo-Pacific or that we can put out in Europe to de- to deter Russia and China directly. So yeah, two parts there. Um, stop trying to cut back on our nuclear weapons when the threat is worsening and then figure out what more we need to do to ensure nuclear deterrence holds. All right. In conclusion, since this is not something that everyday Americans hear about, as we've said, what should we be listening for to know that somebody's actually going to do something about this? Is there, you know, I, I guess 
you may have already just answered that question. Should it be a headline that that talks about Biden prioritizing nuclear defense? Is is that what the White House talking about it more? What should we be listening for? Yeah, I, I think a couple things. First, we definitely need to be hearing about this more uh, f- from the White House and and from and from Congress. Um, these are these are serious threats, and we're Great worried point. about yeah we're worried about nuclear conflict in Ukraine. Russia has been talking about using nuclear weapons, and we're worried about uh, China invading Taiwan. And I think, you know, that's not to say China would go nuke Taiwan, but I think the concern is that if China invades Taiwan, they might make nuclear threats in the same way that Putin is doing in Ukraine and try to tell the the U.S. or Taiwan to back down. So, yeah, we need to be to be listening for um, the White House talking about these threats and how we need to go do something about it. And then I think the other thing is um, we, need, we need to start looking where the money's going. Do future budgets prioritize the modernization of our nuclear weapons programs and maybe even uh, the development of future capabilities? Um, I know that we're doing a lot of spending in this country right now, and we need to roll back in so many areas. But um, Nuclear deterrence is the number one priority for our national security. Uh, actually, the last five confirmed Secretary of Defenses across the last few administrations have agreed to that point. So this, we need to act like this is the priority when we when we go s- spend money into our military. Well, thank you so much, Patty Jane. I I have to say this is the first time I've you know as. I've seen two young women sit down and have a discussion about nuclear deterrence. It, it's a scary topic, but it also has been a lot of fun talking about it with you, and hopefully you'll join us again. And that's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening, and I wanted to thank you especially for bearing with me as I have a little bit of a head cold that's affected my voice. If you liked this episode, we would love it if you would share it with a friend or on social media. That's the best way to get the word out about Heritage Explains. It really does make a difference. That's all for today. See you next week. Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Descher, with editing by John Pop.